All right. Well, first of all, I just want to say welcome and thank you guys for joining us this afternoon. My name is Sherry Garvin. I'm the pharmacist for the owners here at the Compounding Center. A uh, couple of housekeeping notes. The restroom is in the far back corner where that exit sign is. And uh, we have drinks and snacks in the back if anybody needs help. Um, we're really excited to welcome Dr. Pam Smith to join us here at the Compounding Center today to talk about her new book on women's hormones. Dr. Smith is the medical director at the Center for Precision Medicine and is known around the world as an expert on hormones, hormone therapy, and functional medicine. I've had the privilege of we actually forgot. We said earlier when we were setting up, we need to remember the book. So I appreciate that. You know what? You were there again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I had the privilege of hearing Dr. Smith speak at several conferences. And um, just the amount of knowledge in this woman's head is unbelievable. And I think you're really going to enjoy um, today's session. So Dr. Smith actually started as an emergency room physician and then has transferred over to anti-aging and functional medicine. She's been interviewed on TV, by magazines, and she has many best-selling books. Um, so we are thrilled to have CRT Labs join us in hosting Dr. Smith here today to help educate our community. We really do think that information is important so that you all can make the best decision for your health. Um, so I'm gonna stop talking and hand it over to Dr. Smith. She's gonna do Q&A, and then uh, she'll be happy to sign the books at the end. So I hope you all came with your questions. The stage is yours. <laughs> so everybody inside your packet here, okay, you all have a little handout. So pull that out. Because we're going to use that today. Okay? That page. Exactly. So it's got a lot of blank in it so that you take notes. Because when you write something down, you actually remember it better. So we're going to start with the first hormone on here. And it is called pregnanolone. It's hard to say and hard to spell. And of course, that would mean it would be your hormone of memory. Because that's what it is. And, and I always get a chuckle out of that because it's a really important hormone. It makes all the other hormones on the page. So it's also a mother hormone. It also decreases inflammation. Almost any disease process that you can get at any age is inflammatory in nature. A little bit of inflammation heals. Too much inflammation causes disease. And certainly after the age of about 45, every disease is inflammatory in nature, whether it's memory loss or diabetes or cancer, it doesn't matter, they're all inflammatory. So the fact that pregnenolone decreases inflammation is very important. Do we replace this hormone? We do. The first thing we always wanna do is measure the hormones. And this one is measured by blood. It's commonly not done in a doctor's office because it is a frozen specimen. And so usually you have to go to Quest 
LabCorp, or your major hospital since it's a Sunday. Some doctor's offices do have LabCorp or Quest in the doctor's office, and then they would be able to do it, but it does take seven to 10 days to come back. Interestingly, unless you are seeing an anti-aging specialist, your doctor has probably never heard of pregnenolone, even if you are seeing an endocrinologist, but it's a very important hormone since literally it is your memory. So there's optimal levels and there's normal, and that's not the same thing. In anti-aging medicine, we like to do a personalized approach where literally it is optimal. So perfect for pregnenolone is 50 or higher. It must be 50 to maintain memory. But a lot of the labs go by age. So I will be 69 in July. So at 69, if my pregnenolone level were 42, it would say normal, but that's not optimal. So if your level is 42 and you're 69, would we replace that hormone? We would. The only time we don't replace it is if you've had breast cancer that is hormonally related. We replace it otherwise, even if you had uterine or ovarian cancer, et cetera, we still replace the hormone. It's important for memory. It does come directly from cholesterol. So how the body works is cholesterol makes that hormone to make the other hormones. Sometimes cardiologists forget their biochemistry and physiology. They do not realize that pregnenolone comes from cholesterol and they get the total cholesterol too low. So the total cholesterol literally needs to be 140 or higher to make pregnenolone. So if you're taking a cholesterol lowering drug and your total cholesterol is 120, then usually you don't make enough pregnenolone. We also don't make assumptions. That's why we measure. Even though I'll be 69, my pregnenolone is 58, so I don't take it. You can be 75. You can be 45 and have low pregnenolone. You can actually be 25 and have low pregnenolone, but then we usually don't give you pregnenolone. We fix the cause of the problem, and that would be stress. So we work on your stress hormone instead of giving you pregnenolone during your 20s or 30s. Pregnenolone is usually given as a pill. We start at very low doses, so it usually doesn't have any side effects because most side effects of any drug, whether it's compounded or not, are dose dependent. So the higher the dose, the more common the side effects. So we start low and go slow. But again, the only reason not to replace that is one, and that is if you've had hormonally related breast cancer. If you've had breast cancer that is not estrogen receptor or progesterone receptor positive, then we still get that one. Any questions about pregnenolone? What about if members of your family have That's a great question. The question is, what happens if your family has had hormonally related breast cancer? That would be me. I actually have breast cancer on both sides of my family. And in fact, one of my grandmothers I never met, she died of breast cancer before I was born. I had a cousin on that same side, die at 51 of breast cancer. On the other side, I had two aunts get it. 
One died of it, one did not. So I have genetically related breast cancer. So our goal in being here today and having the pharmacy sponsor all of this is also to teach you the truth about hormones. I do take hormones. I'm not afraid I'm going to get breast cancer from them. Now, why is that? Number one, we give the hormones correctly. I'm going to talk extensively about it. We measure the hormones appropriately because it does matter how you measure them. There are things that increase your risk of breast cancer. One of them is called poor methylation. It's in the book. You don't have to write it down. Methylation is when you put a CH3 group on chemical reactions in the body. And if you are the typical group of people, one half of you are like me, you are a poor methylator. And if you poorly methylate, you don't put that CH3 group where it belongs, then you have an increased risk in breast cancer, heart disease, cognitive decline, stroke, and bone loss. It is entirely preventable. So I found out literally 30 years ago, last December, that I was a poor methylator. So I have fixed it for 30 years. Am I worried about getting breast cancer? No, okay, because part of mine was genetically inherited as a poor methylator, fixable in everybody, okay? So we can measure that in several ways. We're gonna talk about that. The other thing is alcohol. Alcohol, women break it down slower than men. So if you have more than one drink a day, everybody, you have a fourfold increase in getting breast cancer, whether you have it in your family or not. So please do not drink more than one glass of wine, et cetera, in a day. If you're like me and you have breast cancer on both sides of your family, and you can go to the American Cancer Society website, and it will be right there. If you have breast cancer on both sides of your family, you should never drink, so I don't. I am a teetotaler, so I have removed that risk factor from my environment because I don't drink alcohol at all. Everybody gets cancer cells, seven, eight, nine times in their life. There's two things that feed them, stress and sugar. So if you decrease your sugar intake and you work on stress, that will decrease your risk of getting breast cancer and other forms of cancer. And then the last one is, if you take synthetic hormones, you have a very large increased risk in getting breast cancer. That includes oral contraceptives. That also includes IUDs with hormones on them. And that last study came out three weeks ago. And that study in a major medical journal did show that if you've taken oral contraceptives in your life, particularly if you've taken them long-term or have an IUD, with hormones on them, then you do have a significant increase in breast cancer risk. There is no perfect birth control. I would love to get up here and say, there's a perfect form, there is not. But just be aware, particularly the longer you take those contraceptives, the longer your risk factor. And that's because there's synthetic hormones. That study, we now know. So all of those things are risk factors. We can fix them. That's the great news. You don't have to be stuck with any of them. You can fix your methylation. 
if you have risk factors like I do, you don't drink alcohol. You work on your stress. You try and minimize your sugar. But what's funny, the first time that I gave a talk in this field was 30 years ago, and it was actually to a hospital. So I was standing in a hospital oncology department, and they wanted me to talk about breast cancer, and they were feeding the patients donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm standing here going, if you intake sugar, and that they already had breast cancer, okay, then it increases your risk. But the hospital didn't realize that because it's a different thought process. This kind of medicine looks at the cause of the problem instead of just treating symptoms, okay? So I hope that answered your question because it's a very good one. So you said we could fix most or all You can of fix these. all of this. So if you did take oral contraceptives mm -hmm. for a long time, what do you do to fix that? You can't reverse if you've taken the oral, oral contraceptives long-term, but if you are a poor methylator, you can fix that, okay? And so some of that risk factor is because of methylation. Some of it is because of progesterone on there being synthetic. That part is not fixable. But again, if you don't feed the cells, okay, with sugar and stress, then you'll just kill them up. And I don't say that lightly. I have a sweet tooth. So my, my mother grew up in Tennessee, so my personal favorite dessert in the entire world is pecan pie, as we say in the North, pecan, as you say here, okay? I, I love it, okay, because that's how I grew up. My mom was a fabulous cook, so I personally have to watch my own sugar intake because I would always choose something like that, including a moon pie, okay? So you kind of have to minimize your risk factor. But am I afraid of taking hormones? No. And I have been on hormones for 30 years. Because if I had not started them 30 years ago, I would have an increased risk of breast cancer. Because the last reason is if you have a lot of estrogen without progesterone per balance, then you have an increase of breast cancer. And that was me. So I found that out 30 years ago. Is there a difference between taking hormones like between taking contraceptives and hormone replacement therapy, okay? So what is the difference? When we look at the hormones we're talking about today, they're called bioidentical, otherwise known as natural. Now, why are they called bioidentical? Natural in medicine does not mean it comes from a plant. In this case, it is compounded from soy or yams, but that's not the medical definition. The medical definition of bioidentical is the same chemical structure that God gave you when you were born. If you take synthetic hormones, they're not the same chemical structure. So they don't balance with the other hormones. They give incomplete messages. And so they do increase your risk of breast cancer. Are there a few studies? No, there's actually many. So the first book I wrote on hormones was called HRTV Answers, and it was called This Thin in 2003. In 2010, the first edition of this came out, it was half the size with references. This has no references, they're all online because we couldn't fit them in the book. That's how much science is now here in 2023 about hormones. 
okay? So we very much have grown in the last 20 plus years in looking at how we can safely give hormones to women. So estrogen does have 400 functions in the body, literally 400. And you don't have to write them all down because it's in the book you're getting, but it's taste, touch, smell, hearing, skin tone. I mean, I can tell by looking at your skin if you're on hormones or not, <laughs> if you're menopausal. Because your skin tone, the smoothness and softness and your pore size and all the other things are related to estrogen, like the collagen content, the progesterone is the blood supply, testosterone holds it all up, they all decrease wrinkling, they do many things. There's estrogen receptors in your eyes. So estrogen helps prevent cataracts, macular degeneration, and glaucoma. There's estrogen receptors on your heart. So it helps prevent heart disease. There's many studies. I could actually do a three-hour talk on men and women and heart disease prevented by bioidentical hormones. That's how much there is in the medical literature. Estrogen really is your memory. When it comes to bone structure, estrogen maintains bone. Progesterone builds it. Testosterone builds it. It's the strength of bone. So it becomes vision, memory, mobility. You have estrogen receptors in your colon. So estrogen helps prevent colon cancer. We are about to publish a trial from our practice. We have offices in Michigan and Florida, numerous providers. We've had no cases of breast cancer in people that take hormones, all comers, family history or not. Now there's two reasons for that. Properly prescribed, getting low dose, and all the rest of these hormones are measured by saliva, the best. You really can't measure estrogen in the blood because you're going to put estrogen on the skin and any hormone that you put on the skin does not show up in the blood. And unfortunately, a lot of doctors do hormones and they're not trained in this field. And when they're not trained, they don't know you have to do saliva testing. So that study has been done three times. It was done by Dr. David Zava and published in 2017. Showed you can't put it, you cannot do blood testing if it's put on the skin. An Israeli study was done and we are publishing our trial in a couple of months where we took both men and women, every hormone there was, we also took all age groups. Our youngest patient was 17. Our oldest patient was 91. Did it matter by age if you did blood versus saliva? It didn't matter. If you put it on the skin, doesn't matter male, female, age, or dose of hormone. If you put it on the skin, it does not show up in the blood. So you honestly, you cannot do it that way. Are you saying that you can test it via blood or just your baseline, but once you're putting things on, then you can't do it by blood? That's a great question. The question is, can you start baseline? If you're not on hormones by blood, you could. I don't tend to do that for two reasons. Blood is more expensive than saliva. And the other reason is it's really nice to compare apples to apples. So if I know what your estrogen was to begin with or progesterone or any other hormones, and then I've given you them, because we remeasure it 90 days after we started, then I can compare what you had because we're using the same measuring technique. So we remeasure 90 days and then every six months thereafter. 
and we always put estrogen on the skin. We never, ever, ever give it by mouth because there is an increase in breast cancer. That's part of the problem with oral contraceptives. Okay. If you give estrogen by mouth, it also can cause blood clots. It increases inflammation, drives up your triglycerides, it drives up your blood sugar, it, drive, it can cause gallstones, it can cause clotting, and it lowers growth hormone, the hormone that keeps you young. So honestly, I've never written a prescription estrogen by mouth in my life. And I've been practicing for years. Yes. Jumping ahead, but I had a gynecologist say that if you still have your uterus after menopause, that you couldn't get enough progesterone through the skin in order to negate um, the impact of potential uterine cancer. So okay. you had to have an oral progesterone, uh, micronized progesterone. Okay. Can I wait until we talk to sure, progesterone to discuss that? It's again a great question. Okay. So I will repeat her question. When we come to progesterone, okay? Yes, ma'am. Um, piggybacking on that a little bit, I just came from my endocrinologist two weeks from a new endocrinologist two weeks ago, and she said, since I do not have uterus, I do not need balance hormones. That's what we thought thirty years ago. Okay, so your endocrinologist. She appeared to be under thirty. Right? <laughs> 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 not what I'm going to do is suggest. Did you Give take this to your endocrinologist? I'm very serious. Okay. I'll, I'll give her the reference. She okay. She can buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my gift. Okay. Because I don't want her teaching patients that. Because that's not what the medical literature shows. Okay. And I'm really dead serious about that. Because if you give estrogen without progesterone, it's another reason there's an increase in breast cancer. So anytime I give estrogen, uterus or not, I always give progesterone. There are no exceptions to that rule. That's why another reason we've had no breast cancer in our practice. Because they go together. They balance. That's how God made us. Everything balances. Zinc balances copper. Calcium balances magnesium. Estrogen balances progesterone. There are three different kinds of estrogen. So you might want to write this part down. It is in the book. There's E1, E2, and E3. That's very clever naming. <laughs> okay, so it's actually estrone one, estradiol die for two, and estriol try for three. Most of medicine, the crazy words that we have, Okay, have a Latin derivation. And in medicine, I always tell people I don't speak a second language because mine is medicine, because everything has two words for one thing. Okay, because it does. It's crazy, but that's how we do it. Okay, so the E1, we do not replace because that's the one that's linked to breast cancer. And you make more of that one anyway as you age. The E2 is the 400 functions. E3 is the one that literally helps prevent breast cancer. Yes, there is an estrogen that helps prevent breast cancer. How long have we known that? You're going to be surprised. The article came out concerning it, the first one, in the Journal of the American Medical Association, otherwise known as JAMA. 99 years ago. I don't say that lightly because I have five daughters. And it angers me as a doctor 
that we have not told women how their body works, particularly with my family history. My daughters have a 50-50 chance that they got that part of my family history. So when we give estrogen, we give E2, E3. The only way you can get E3 in North America is to have a condom. There's not a drug company that makes it. So we always put estrogen on the skin. We always do E2, E3 together. E2 by itself, there may be an increased risk in breast cancer without that E3. So if you do an estradiol patch, there's some people that do a patch, then you would still have a compound of E3 cream. It's much easier just to do it all as one cream, E2 and E3 together. But I have four patients that like the patch better. So they do the patch, but I still have compounded E3 to work with them. Okay. It's part of the problem with pellet therapy because there's no E3. Yes. It's just E2. Pellet goes in there. Okay. Yes. So the estradiol is only E3. Is that correct? The estradiol is E2. Okay. And E3 is estriol, the one that prevents cancer. And together they're called bias, B-I-E-S-T, bi meaning two. So two estrogens, that's where the name comes from. So when we write your prescription, it will say bias cream. And it's very specific. There are no patients in our practice that have the same prescription. That's why it's compounded. Because that ratio of E2, E3, on the saliva test, we measure all three estrogens. And so some women need 80% E3 and 20% E2. Some women are like me, mine is 50-50. That's what my body is. Everybody's different. So not only is the dose of estrogen different, but the ratio between the estrogens is different also for every patient. So it really is a very customized approach. But again, it's all measured by selection. Now it does have to balance with progesterone. And I mean natural progesterone. The synthetic that's in oral contraceptives, that's in a marina IUD, okay? It is synthetic. And there are now eight trials showing there's an increase in breast cancer risk with synthetic progesterone. So there's enough trials now to say, yes, you have to do bioidentical. You should not do it in so nobody should be using oral contraceptives as hormone replacement for amenopausal, particularly after the trial that came out three weeks ago. So you have to do the natural form of progesterone to answer your question on whether it should be on the skin or whether it should be by mouth. We used to let the patient choose unless they had insomnia. If you have insomnia, it does have to be by mouth because then it crosses into your brain it hits the GABA receptors and calms you and puts you to sleep. On the skin, it does not do that. But recent studies by Spiroff, the father of OBGYN, has shown that if you take it by mouth, it is better for breast health. So now with younger women with PMS, infertility, PCOS, those women, we usually put it on the skin. With women perimenopausally and menopausally, we do it by mouth. So we're talking about progesterone. We're talking about progesterone. Estrogen has to go on the skin. Okay. 
carry on postmenopausally progesterone by mouth. Otherwise, we can do it either way. Postmenopausally, the same. Postmenopausally would mean anybody who's no longer cycling. Okay? At any age. And that, you know, menopause is 35 to 55. So there are some women at 36 that are menopausal. If you cycle on your own without any hormones after 55, you do have a really big increase in breast cancer risk because usually your breakdown of estrogen is not normal. Your breakdown is not normal. It's a methylation problem because. And that would be a urine PCOS that we don't have getting too far. That's okay. You can ask about PCOS. Um, progesterone, oral progesterone, and then with uh, an estrogen. For PCOS, usually estrogen is commonly, not always, about 70% of the time it's high. So we actually want to lower it. Most people with PCOS have low progesterone. And everybody with PCOS has high testosterone. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. You said usually progesterone is low, low, and testosterone is very high. Yes. On half that phase, but just out of curiosity, did that situation in the body arise because the hormones were out of balance, or did? Or was it the function that causes the hormone imbalance? In PCOS, I okay. did everybody hear of a question. Mm -hmm. Basically, how did PCOS arise? We don't know. And so let me give you why I would say that. It used to be called Stein-Levenpol syndrome. When I was in medical school, and I was told I would see four cases in my entire life. I see 10 cases a week. So something happened in the 45 years that I've been practicing to dramatically change PCOS and its incidence, meaning how many people get it, and we don't know what that is. Could it be a toxin? It could. Could it be because of hormones that people take otherwise? It could. We honestly have no idea why that has occurred. Is it the higher recognition of it? it no, it's not higher recognition. That's another great question. It is not higher recognition. So if both of your daughters have PCOS, there is a chapter in here on PCOS, okay? It's really important that when you're diagnosed with PCOS that we look at it when you're younger as opposed to older because people with PCOS do tend to gain weight. Most of them have insulin resistance. If we get them to them early, they don't have to become diabetic. They do have an increased risk of heart disease and stroke. Almost all of them are core methylators. Again, it's all in the book, so you don't have to worry. There's a whole chapter on it. And with PCOS, there is an increased risk in breast, uterine, and ovarian cancer. It doesn't have to be. There are ways of fixing all of them. Okay? In fact, if we treat someone with PCOS and they actually do as instructed, and they eat the right diet, and they exercise, and they take the right nutrients, and we fix their hormones, you don't have to turn on the gene that causes diabetes. If you start with a patient before they're 25, even though they've inherited the gene, you don't have to turn it on. You can actually stop it before it happens. That's the science is here. And honestly, that's why I'm here today. Because we want to educate 
about PCOS and perimenopause and menopause and PMS and really how the body works. Because you're all different age groups in and you have gen different genetic histories. The next one on here is testosterone. And by the way, I did not mention the symptoms of progesterone loss, so let me do that first. You don't have enough progesterone, which can occur at any age. You can get anxiety, irritability, insomnia, mood swings, depression, heart racing, bladder problems, gut disturbances, and more. If you take too much, you can get all those too. <laughs> so we do do saliva testing to make sure that there's not an issue. Testosterone is very, very tricky. There's a lot of people out there now saying every woman should have testosterone and they should not. Only one fourth of women lose testosterone in their life. I haven't lost it by this age, so I'm not going to lose it. If I lose it, you mean no longer, no longer make testosterone. Exactly. And so my testosterone is still dead center of normal. Test. And it's going to stay that way. But that's one half of women. If you give them testosterone, like this popular thing now, every woman needs testosterone for sexual interest. It drives up their blood sugar and increases their risk of heart disease and stroke. Have we seen heart attacks? Oh, yes. We're seeing women come in at 35, 38, 41 years of age with actually having a heart attack. I have a patient that was referred to me that had three heart attacks by 41 with no family history of anything. Her great-grandparents were still alive because she was overdosed on testosterone. We're not even sure if she needed it to begin with. It's a fabulous hormone. If you don't have it, we want to replace it. It's strength of bone. Again, it holds up the skin. It gives you energy, sense of well-being. You have to have it. But if we give it to you and you don't need it, cause disease. That's why we measure them. And unfortunately, there's a lot of doctors who do not do saliva testing and they take a weekend course and they think that's all there is to it. And that's not true. They really need to be certified in this area to prescribe hormones. And that's where your compounding pharmacist comes in. Because honestly, they do carry saliva tests, right? They look like this, okay? It's not a swab, you actually spit, in case you've never done one, and it's got either a FedEx or UPS package on the inside and you send it off, okay? So if your doctor does not do this and you're not seeing an anti-aging doctor, the pharmacist can also help you test appropriately because they fill the prescription. They want you to have the right dose and they know when it comes in if it's not. You've got a big dose of estrogen or a big dose of testosterone, they know when they see that. So if you have a blood test for college, just a normal doctor, just a doctor, get it back and say, everything's normal. Is that reliable? Can I ask how old you are? Yeah. You're 61. Okay. So if your doctor, her question is, if your doctor has tested the hormones by blood and they tell you everything is normal, what they're telling you is everything is normal for your age. They're not telling you everything is normal. So in other words, at 61, most women don't have any of those hormones except for you might have testosterone. Everything else is normal. But that's normal for a 61-year-old because 
they don't believe in giving bonuses. Normal but not optimal. Yes, it is normal but not optimal. That's normal for a 61-year-old person. So my husband and I went on a cruise for my 65th birthday. I had always wanted to go to Scandinavia. It was kind of my dream. So he took me to Scandinavia. Great cruise. Three days into the cruise, I have this sort of husband with a sense of humor, but very subtle. And so he looked at me and he goes, aren't most of the people on this trip like our age? And I go, yeah, you know, five years or so, most of them, probably 90%. He goes, but honey, they're old. And I go, yes, dear, they're not on hormones. You and I both are. <laughs> <laughs> Memory mobility, they have energy. We were in Australia. I spoke in Australia, and my husband came with me. And it was really a lot of fun. We decided to go hiking one day before the conference started. And poor guy got up early and goes, if you have chest pain, if you have shortness of breath, if you have any of these things, please tell us before we started hiking. And he said it four times. And I looked around and I realized he was talking to my husband and I. We were the first ones at the end of the trail. We left the kids behind. It's like, no, you need hormones to do this, folks. Because it does matter. You had a question about that. Yeah, two questions. One, can you talk about the Dutch test? Uh-huh. And two, um, whenever I get friends with my friends and we're all about the same age, I'm going to be 16 next year. So let's say we're between 55 and 60. We all say the same thing. Will not the description. Well, okay. So her her second question, okay, had to do with the doctors won't write the prescriptions. If they're not trained in this field, they should not. Okay. So honestly, they would be doing you a disservice if they wrote a prescription that they didn't know what they were writing. For example, I went in for HRT and she gave me birth control. And I was 50. Seven. I lost my case. Period again. You had better experience with a DO than a regular doctor. I'm an MD. Okay. And uh, all my partners are MDs, except for I have one that's a DO. So all kinds of doctors are trained, okay, in this area. And these are DOs. Is there a website that we can check to find the ones who are trained for it? <laughs> <laughs> Around here. One of the best. Well, actually, yeah. okay. just call us. We have a referral list of all the practitioners that we have worked over the last 20 years on HRT, bioidentical. Um, Dr. Schmidt, there are two questions uh, from, uh, on the chat. How do you apply estrogen? And the second one is, where do you go to get tested or what type of doctor? So you've kind of covered it. We covered that yeah. one. The first one is you apply estrogen on an area of fat cells. No matter what you weigh, the fat cells, okay, are on your thigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds or you weigh 200, it doesn't matter. Most of you on the thigh. You do rotate sites and rub in for two minutes. It is important to rotate sites so that you get it evenly distributed throughout the entire thigh. So today I put them in here yesterday. To answer your question on Dutch, see, I do have estrogen, so I did not forget. Okay. <laughs> to answer your question on Dutch, it is a urine test. And urine testing is really important to look at the breakdown of estrogen because estrogens break down into other forms. But we don't dose off of urine. 
because it's a metabolite. It's a breakdown product. It's actually not the level of the hormone itself. Okay. So if you're seeing someone who actually, again, is trained in this field, they will know not to go so off of the vegetables. Saliva is the gold standard. It's not just better, it is honestly now the gold standard. There's actually a course provided by a medical school that has gone through and actually reviewed all of this and its testing methods. That kit is. This would be a saliva test. Saliva test mm -hmm. of the gold standard variety. This is a, a, the gold standard variety. When your saliva test comes back, it will have the levels of hormones. It will also have the ratio between estrogen and progesterone because that does have to sit in the appropriate ratio. Okay. And two things can happen. You can either see someone who does this kind of medicine who is actually fellowship trained and has a certification in this field, or your doctor can work with the pharmacist and they will help your doctor write the prescription. Okay, so in other words, if you took this home, yeah. okay, and you did this test, you would end up getting the results because it didn't go through your doctor. Okay, so you would get the results yourself or the pharmacist would get it. And if you're not seeing a doctor trained in this field, the pharmacist can help your doctor write a prescription that would work for you. For the progesterone mm -hmm. and more. For any of the hormones that you need. If you're already taking HRT, that's going to show then you. Then it still will show you if you're on the right amount. What? Mm -hmm. So if you're already on hormones, you need to know. Okay. If you were on synthetic hormones, then that's the only time where we have more interpretation. Because synthetic hormones stay in the body twice as long as natural. We don't wait. We don't wait if you're on synthetic hormones because who wants to wait six months to get better? Okay. Someone who is trained in this field can extrapolate out. Usually we get about 85 to 90% accurate the first time because the rest of the hormones have to wash out of the body. So it takes six months. Natural hormones wash out in 90 days. Yes. What are the types of testosterone? What are you using the cream? And I don't see any difference. And I got retested and I ran it with a blood test. So I know. So if you're using a cream, one of two things happen. Okay. You may not feel the difference, but your body will make a difference because you can't go by feel, but you didn't have a saliva test, so we don't know. Some people, we have a hard time getting testosterone in, male or female. And there's a special base for that, that we can put it in, that's for testosterone only, called a trebus. And so the doctor specifies the base, okay? Or also the pharmacist can make recommendations, okay? So for example, let's say you have the world's most sensitive skin, you can't have any kinds of shampoos and detergents have to be special. And you see a dermatologist, there's a special base called Zematop for people with super sensitive skin. There really isn't anybody that we can't get hormones in. 
But some people's testosterone is particularly hard. So we just put it in a tree dispense and then it will go into your skin. And that's like uh, estrogen should be a skin application. Estrogen and testosterone should always be by skin without exception. How often do you test? Again, you test in 90 days after you start hormones and every six months thereafter. What is it? You started 90 days and then correct. So you wait. So we wait 90 days because it takes 90 days for the hormones to balance themselves. And the hormone that takes the longest to balance is estrogen. But they all have to balance. Because remember, pregnanolone makes all of those. The next one, DHEA, makes estrogen and testosterone. So it's a symphony. The last two DHEA and cortisol are made in the adrenal glands, the glands that sit above your kidneys. But because DHEA makes estrogen and testosterone, we have to give you a special kind of DHEA if one of three things happen. If you have normal testosterone, you don't need any more, right? If you have high testosterone, you don't need any more. And if you're very acne prone, if you get more testosterone, you may get more acne. So if you're one of those people, we give you a special kind of DHEA prescription called keto, K-E-T-O. And that's what I use. I use the keto one because I have normal testosterone. I don't need any more from the DHEA, right? Got plenty. If you have low testosterone, then we usually give you just straight DHEA. It's most commonly given as a pill. I like to call it the anti-aging hormone because it helps your bone structure, it gives you energy, sense of well-being, self-confidence. It's a fabulous hormone. DHEA itself is a hormone, or DHEA itself is a hormone, and it makes the testosterone. It makes testosterone and estrogen in that big. So really, the hormones are very much connected together. DHEA sits in a ratio with cortisol. The last one on there, cortisol, is your stress hormone. You have to have cortisol to live. If you don't have cortisol, you die in a week. Okay? So you can be any age. And if you've had a long-term illness or long-term stress, at any age, you can have low pregnanolone because your body will take that pregnanolone and it will make cortisol to keep you alive. So yes, you could be 20, as I suggested earlier, and your pregnanolone could be two, but we fix stress instead. Your stress hormone cortisol has to be measured by saliva. That is what the traditional medicine way is along with this kind of medicine. There are six clinical trials saying that it has to be salivary. It should not be measured by blood for the purpose of balancing things. So GHEA cortisol sit in a ratio. That ratio is on the test as well because they have to balance each other. If cortisol is too high or too low, you get symptoms. You can put on weight, cholesterol, blood sugar, blood pressure can climb. The thyroid can go crazy, not work. There's a lot of, of things that can happen. So we don't want to leave out that hormone. We want to help you with stress as well because it's part of the hormonal symphony. And the conductor of that symphony is thyroid. 
So your thyroid has to be perfect. It has to be optimal and not just normal for all this to work as well. So we also look at thyroid. And you can have your thyroid done at your traditional doctor's office, or you can have, there's also a kit that contains a blood spot and you can pick your finger and you can do your thyroid on the kit. This depends on how you want to do this. But your thyroid has to be perfect. When the what I'd like to suggest you all open this one up if it's okay with you. So this is what we call a four-point cortisol test because we it's better to do four tubes. This bigger tube is in the morning. And so it's your estrogens, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, and cortisol. Each of these are cortisol only because we like to look at when you're stressed. So you do one an hour after getting up, okay? 12 noon, 4 p.m., 10 to 11 p.m. at night. You put it in the fridge when you get done and then off it. If you're like me and you don't make a lot of spit, then there are tricks, okay? <laughs> because not everybody makes a lot of saliva, okay? You can rub the match back here and you will make more spit. Right? Or you can do what I do because I seem to make plenty of saliva when I go to the dentist. You know how it is when you go to the dentist and they're working on your mouth and they talk to you and they expect you to answer. I mean, how do you answer with all this in your mouth? But you make all the spit. So what I personally do is I take a pen or a pencil that's clean and I put it between my teeth and I start making a lot of saliva just like I was at the dentist. And that's how I do my own test. Okay. Because I'm one of those people that, that don't make a lot. My husband makes a lot. I mean, he can fill the, the tube in five minutes. And I'm there an hour later. Okay? People are variable on that. You just like wave the pecan pie under your nose. <laughs> it doesn't work. Wave the pecan pie. Work. <laughs> thoughts on accuracy of a saliva test when it's just a snapshot of one day. And as women, we have variable days. That was the reason for doing four, okay, of all these, is so that you see what happens. If you're still cycling, then we do it on different days because it does matter so we can see progesterone. So for people who are still cycling, we do it differently, okay? If you're postmenopausal, then it's actually pretty much a snapshot of what it is all the time anyway, okay? And honestly, menopause is the best time of my life because I don't have any symptoms. I feel fabulous every day because my hormones are balanced. Okay. <laughs> that can be you as well. That can be anybody in this room. There really is no one that you cannot balance. Some people are harder than others, okay. but you know a lot of it will depend on stress. Some of it depends on other medicines you're on and what nutrients you take, but all of that the science is here to us. We don't have to guess. We want to start your hormones when you lose them if we can. But if someone came to see me when they're 80 and they'd never been on hormones, would I put them on hormones? I would. They will not have as much heart and brain protection, but they'll still have a significant amount. It's important to measure because some people don't lose estrogen at menopause. Estrogen is stored at fat cells. So you can be 72 and still have estrogen if you're overweight. 
So my best friend was. She died at 72. She was 100 pounds overweight. She never needed estrogen because it was in her fat cell still. That's another reason for measuring because we don't want to give you a hormone you do not need. So not every woman needs estrogen at menopause. If you're, you know, if you weigh 100 pounds, you probably do because the estrogen is gone. Everybody else is variable. How long do you take hormones? Forever. Because it doesn't take very long to lose them. If you stop hormones, it only takes about a year before your skin ages and you start walking slowly and you don't have enough energy. So, so I was prescribed uh, HRT without any help. I just went in and said, you know, I'm not sleeping great. And I understand this could help. And I got a prescription without any help. That's not ideal. It's not ideal to get a prescription without testing, but the good news is you can go home with one of these. We can see where you stand now. And so, if you're underdosed or overdosed again, that is very fixable. Okay. Now, if you're overdosed, we usually stop your hormones. We wait until they wash out. We have you do a liver cleanse so they go out of the body cancer. Okay. So some people do come in overdosed because their doctor did not measure or do a saliva test or, or whatever it is. Yes. How do you speak to uh, that your doctor writes a prescription for the E3 estrogen to go with that patch, okay? If you prefer the patch, that's fine, but you do need the E3 to help prevent cancer, okay? So how do you, yes, I'm gonna go backwards to forwards this time. Does anyone test normal? Yes, okay. Male and female, and it's very variable for many reasons. I do actually have one person in my practice with normal cortisol, even in today's crazy world, but she's led a charmed life. She's just been one of those people, she did lose her husband early, but she has four children, all are extremely successful. She has many grandchildren, nobody's an alcoholic, drug addict, or any of those things, and she owns 12 furniture stores. So she's a very wealthy woman. Short of that, okay, most people have cortisol that's not entirely normal. Okay. And stress reduction techniques help. Prayer, meditation, Tai Chi, yoga, Qigong, exercise, massage, breathing techniques, acupuncture, acupressure. There's different nutrients. But we do have to work on cortisol, the stress hormone, for people to be healthy. Okay. But do some people come in with normal hormones at 55? They do. Okay. There, there really is no quote unquote person that there's a variation for me. I do. Okay, so my book that just came out very recently, as in the last couple of weeks, is on male hormones. Okay. It's maximize your male hormones. They can do the same saliva test as well. They can do the same saliva test as well. 
There's just different boxes that get checked off. Same thing. Yes. I'm sweating. I sweat a lot. You said sweating is usually one of two things, unless there's another medical disease. It's usually one of two things. Either you don't have enough estrogen, or the more common reason is that your cortisol is not normal. So if you could have both. Yes, you can That's common. Iron, Iron, usually you don't sweat. That's, you could, but that's way down on the list of symptoms. If your iron is not normal, okay, there's many other things that usually occur before that, whether your iron's too high or too low. And neither one is good, by the way. You have too high iron, you have an increased risk of heart disease and stroke. You have too low of iron, then you have anemia and you have fatigue. And if it's really low, you can pass out. So maximum 15 or 16? Well, your hemoglobin is what you're talking about. Your hemoglobin um, runs in a range, okay, usually 13 to 15. 13 12.9. 12.9 is too low. Okay. And most of Yes. there any like environmental factor or anything like that that can cause a temporary depletion of the hormones? The number one thing that causes depletion of your hormones is stress because, again, Pregnenolone will make cortisol and it won't make estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA all the, all the way down the line. Okay. The number two reason would be nutritional depletions. Your body actually needs nutrients for cortisol to be made. It needs nutrients for testosterone. You have to have zinc. You have to have other nutrients to make progesterone. So some people don't eat well. They don't take a multivitamin and all of those things. They may not make hormones. And again, if you get your total cholesterol below 140, then you're not gonna make pregnenolone to make the other hormones. So if your total cholesterol is 108, you probably don't have normal hormones at any age. Pardon? Too low. 108. 108 would be too low. It has to be 140 or above. Can you talk more about the connection between the thyroid and as the conductor of the hormone. That is a whole talk in itself, okay? So read my book that comes out in December, okay? Hopefully you'll invite me back, okay? And it's really on thyroid disease because literally that is a whole hour and a half discussion all on its own. For Dr. Smith, I got one more question. Uh, how much does the saliva test cost? And by the way, Dr. Smith is back here in October to talk to us about men's hormones. So, uh, Greg, we have a representative from the, the lab here. The question is on cost of testing. Um, there's a range that I'll give you. It depends on the uh, location and the way the accounts are set up, but anywhere from the um, low 100s up to about the mid 200s. If you do it by blood, it ranges from $860 to $992. How much? How much is covered by insurance? It's usually not. But remember, when you do blood studies, not only is it not as accurate, but when you do blood studies, nothing is covered to meet your deductible. And everybody now has a deductible. Okay? And that includes Medicare. Okay? So you have to meet your deductible before anything is paid by blood. So if, if it's January 2nd that you're seeing, 
then you're paying that $800 plus dollars on your land. Because most people have a five to $1,000 deductible on their land. What would you do? That if you do all this by blood. Okay, okay. So if, if you buy the kit, it's cheaper to do it by select. Buy the kit, send it in. So we buy the kit here, we pay whatever. We pay the company. Yeah. It depends on how it's The, is the how kits from the pharmacy are at no charge. You're actually selecting a panel that you can either talk to your practitioner or one of our pharmacists. And let's say we say do a female panel three, it'll give you a cost for all the hormones being tested. And then you pay directly to the laboratory and okay, the results will come to us. Send it off at the chamber or the card. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if it's okay, I'm going to end the live stream part and okay. you can still have, uh, you know, mm -hmm. answer questions and everything. And uh, because I have to uh, go to another venue. Uh, thank you she's for gonna be, on the internet. Yeah, thank, thank you. And because Dr. Smith is actually going to be training our, some of our practitioners tonight. Mm -hmm.